0: Hey everybody, welcome to the In All Things podcast. It's time to see God in everything. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to season six of the In All Things podcast. As usual, uh, I'm joined by Steve and Jared. That's the wrong ways for today. Uh and my name is Mitch Frost, as usual, so as usual, yep, uh, sometimes it changes, but usually, that's what else do they call you? um I'm not gonna say that with a live mic in front of my face, so okay. I got a lot of names All out right. there that's true, uh, things that they've called me in my day, yeah,
1: so. it's a little embarrassing too,
0: yeah, so anyway, we're here um and well frosty that that was that's okay a for a while, yeah, yeah.
2: Is there a big um, frosty? There's a vanilla frosty.
1: I know, but is there? I don't is know. Is there a big frosty?
0: My dad, I guess. <laughs> if he had a or chocolate frosty. If he had a uh, Twitter.
1: Or handle. somebody really likes Christmas peppermint frosty. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just you know.
0: Right. You said well, it. you said it, not me. It's true. Well, here we are, and we're not talking about that today. No. Um, but we are gonna spend some time talking about um, money. Yeah. So we might as well just get right into it today. Um, Wait, I have a question. Okay, go for it.
1: About last week's podcast mm-hmm. oh boy have you guys thought any more about your answers to any of our stuff or like spiritual development wise before we move on like because which part any of it? some of the big things that any we, of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: just because so you have apparently just one little minor thing mm-hmm. i find that i am developed spiritually um when i experience um, the Lord in new refreshing ways, for instance, through, um, uh, nature and creation specifically, I was thinking about how I'm going on a trip next week to Montana ski trip. And one of the most, um, fulfilling parts of those trips is not skiing or being with friends. It's just like experiencing nature. And I feel like I am enriched and renewed and restored by the spirit in those times. And I feel like that's like an underrated part of my spiritual development. Like I seek those out purposefully because yeah. Anyway, I don't know if, if no, I think
2: are- that's really, really good. Um, when you're going skiing, I'm going to a pastor's meeting, uh, in Florida and I just heard on the radio this morning. Now that it's, we're in February, January in central Ohio, It on average over the last like forty six years, they said there's been there's three different uh, qualifications of the weather the way they uh, categorize it, Uh, partly sunny, partly cloudy, or mostly cloudy. We average in January four partly sunny days. Mm. Today's one of them. Well, Well, this is February. We have seven um, most partly cloudy, and then like eighteen or whatever mostly cloudy days. That's normal. They said for the month of January in 2024 we had zero mostly sunny days. <laughs> like the I sun just it. peaked yeah. out like a little bit. I haven't seen the sun in a long time. It's, uh, <laughs> so we walk in, this. it's February 1st when we're recording, and it is sunny this morning. It's so weird. Does that change your mood? It's
1: nice. A little bit. It does. But like, I, it'll change your mood even more if you can get out in it and you mm-hmm. know, yes. soak the sunshine up, right? Even it's if like it's like 35 degrees and sunny, yeah. it
2: feels so much better than the cloud cover here. Yeah, so. well, I mean, there's yeah.
1: definitely mental side effects that come like not ever seeing the sun <laughs> yeah there is yeah I mean it's like it's it's vitamin deficiency it, it it really is so it, and you can but it, it is a,
2: I don't know why it feels like a spiritual thing too it's like a reminder of like I don't know of God created the sun yeah
1: but like if you think about that if we're inside like if we lock ourselves inside all day every day and never get outside never I mean that has a serious effect on your mood mm-hmm. and you know even though people like Mitch claim to be allergic to the sun.
0: Oh, because I sneeze? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, what, I'm is a, that? I'm what is that the, called? It is a Chew Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And okay. I sneeze two or three times every time I see the sun. But
1: only initially, right? It doesn't just yeah, keep Yeah, no, just keep going. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like keep on sneezing. And I know,
0: I know a couple people with this as well. So I'm not alone in my fight and my struggle. Okay. I'm seen and heard and loved.
1: I mean, I'm firsthand witness to it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, true. It's, it's I've seen sad. it happen. Uh, I but I love the sun, even though it makes yeah. me sneeze. Yeah, yeah. But I've I don't know. I I mean, there's really is something to the you know general revelation of God that like if you don't ever experience that, I feel like that it's just a piece of your spiritual development that you're missing because being able to witness and and experience firsthand the glory of God, like with your own eyes Mm -hmm. is, is huge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just thought of that. I've been thinking about the last couple of days, like the different ways in which, you know, the spirit works in me rather than, uh, rather than just like, you know, through scripture or through other people. Mm -hmm. So.
0: I feel like that's one I take for granted often, you know, nature and things like that. But then I'll go to like the beach or I'll go to, for me, the few times I've been around like real mountains Mm -hmm. And I just have these big, like, come to Jesus moments of just seeing how amazing his creation is. And then that'll make me appreciate just the normal, like, sunshine or just, like, tree, whatever, uh, for, like, a couple weeks. And then I'm like, man, I want to, you know, I kind of just forget about it and take it for granted because it's just normal. And then I'll have another experience. Like, I've never been to Montana, but I'll go somewhere like that. And then I'm just like, man, creation's so cool, you know?
1: We'll be on the top like of the mountain, like er, it happens every single year. I mean, yeah. my friend Mike will be sitting at the ski lift or something, we'll get to the very top of the mountain and he, he'll always bring it up. He'll say like, how the heck could anybody ever deny God? When you look out like and just see for miles and mi- like he, it makes you feel so small mm-hmm. and um, insignificant because you, just how big the mountains are and around you. But anyway, I just wanted no, to it's bring great. it up. It's a- I mean,
0: along these similar lines for me, coming up on a year of having a baby, that's one thing that I've had a lot of similar moments of like Oh, for sure. How could anybody ever deny that there is something bigger than us going on here just watching her develop and become a person, you yeah. know, over this past year like um that's pretty crazy too. So I've had a lot of those kind of moments just in my own home, you know, sitting in the basement playing with her or whatever, and I'll just have these moments of like how in the world do people not believe that there's a god who, you know, designed all this? It's just crazy. But
2: Yeah, that's all. That's both what you said. And I wasn't thinking about this coming in, but I think we really focused on our personal spiritual development last week. But I do think a big part of our personal is this. It's small groups. It's who we're around. Mm -hmm. And I get so much energy from those conversations with people and learn so much from having myself around the right people. And those are those are energizing and those are I can look back at big steps in my spiritual growth, and they all relate to almost always not just something out there on my own solo, but it was with people. like you said, Mitch, you know, doing the the shred that would have been difficult to do without people, and you need that. and so that's such a big part of it. That's why we talk about it all the time.
1: So do you ever find that on that along those lines, do you ever find that like people that the Lord can speak to you through even people who aren't saved or like Mm do you ever have those experiences where you're like just around somebody and you feel like the Lord is either telling you to do something or something that somebody says to you is an indirect you know Mm -hmm. way that the Lord is trying to like slap you what either affirms
2: Mm -hmm. what you believe more makes you question it a little bit so the point that you do a little bit more research to be able to understand what you believe a little bit Mm -hmm. better it drives you deeper drives you closer to God When you're challenged by other people yeah, 100%. Yeah, I love that. Yeah.
1: My tattoo artist is like, like this. He's not, he's not atheist. He's, you know, agnostic. I guess he believes, he believes like that there's some spiritual being out there. He believes there's a God, but he doesn't believe in the whole, you know, salvation through Jesus thing. And I love talking to him because it challenges me because he brings up these points that I'm like, oh man, like that's such a good, like that's a, I really need to figure out how to answer this question. So, you know, next time I go back to him, I can be like, Hey, listen, I thought a lot about what you said about what you um, were asking or, and your concerns. And here's my, and and then, you know, he'll always have some, you know, rebuttal to, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So, and I, I think it's interesting because a lot of times we'll be like, Oh man, like I grow I grow so much spiritually in small group or in church when I'm around Christians, but like, what about other people? And I think that there's some validity there.
0: Yeah, I've had a similar um, situation recently with somebody that I've had to do some meetings with and um, just kind of coaching me through some stuff. And this person is very much not um, in church, doesn't believe in things that I believe in. And we've had some conversations about where we stand just differently about, uh, you know, worldviews and different kind of things. And it's so interesting because working at a church, being on church staff, you just don't get to maybe interact with people like that on a day-to-day basis. And so it's cool and it's challenging just to hear different perspectives. And I feel like it, yeah, it pushes me deeper and helps me grow and think about, you know, how do people that weren't raised in church view the things that we talk about all the time, you know, and it is really different. And the more time you spend with, People like that having conversations like that. You're like, oh, I actually understand where they're coming from, and I know how to approach it. Maybe, um, which I think is super cool. But yeah. it's really do, easy yeah. to
1: like to to be affirmed in in your in your faith when you're around people that believe yeah. all the same thing. But when you're put like, you know, on the spotlight, yeah, that's when your faith is really challenged, and yeah. when you're at like when you really need the spirit's guidance. Mm-hmm. So,
2: and it is a challenge for us working in ministry to we have to find it. I remember when I was, you know, youth pastor when I was the Mitch's stage of the game, I had been in a Christian school, grew up um, you know, when I got saved at ten, my parents put us in a Christian school, went to a Christian college. Then I'm working for a church. Every I mean, I just didn't have people in my life like that that were not believers hardly at all. So I am so thankful for all those opportunities I've had. And a key thing has been with my kids playing sports, just getting to be friends and have relationships with people who are not in church or not saved and being friends with them and learning how they view the world and, and respecting that, but also, um, refining my views and the way I interact and the way I think about things because we are, I mean, we've used that whole term echo chamber before we've easily found ourselves living in that. But anyway, the topic I think we're going to talk about today is another one of those where what we believe, what the Bible teaches is contrary to what the world teaches or believes when it comes to the issue of money and how we view money. Very dif- very different. Um, there's, you know, Scripture says so much about money. And the reason we decided to pick this topic has a lot to do with that we're doing a three-week series in church on it, so we thought it'd be good to do something that kind of complements it and maybe talk a little bit about our background on this. And I know I have the most because of age, but, um, just how we grew up viewing it. I was, I thought it was interesting to ask this question because I was one of those kids, um, that didn't get one, but a lot of my friends got an allowance, a weekly amount from their parents. And usually certain chores were expected and you just got this money at the end of the week. But my parents were like, mm, we're not doing that. But it was kind of like, I could get paid for doing certain things above and beyond, you know, like maybe, I don't know, mowing the grass or stacking wood for the wood stove or different things like that. My parents would uh, say, here's, you know, $10 or whatever it would
0: be for that.
2: So I was curious, did you guys grow up with an allowance or any type of?
0: No, nope. no, I didn't get paid for anything. Um, Nothing. Nope. Uh, no, no jobs that I did. You know, cutting the grass. Um, if you wanted something stack like stacking wood, the money whatever, paid. that was just like expected part of what we had to do. Right. Um, if there, I mean, the younger, like when I was younger and didn't have a job, right? If I needed money to go out somewhere or do something, I would just ask, hey, my friend, let's go to a movie, mm-hmm. whatever. Can I have twenty bucks? And my parents would be like, yeah. But it was not like, oh you did this, you get this much money. It was kind of just like, no, that's expected. You live in our house and that's kind of how we do it. And then as soon as I could, it was expected that I got a job and then anything that I wanted to do or I wanted to spend money on, I could because it was my money. So at like 16, I started working at Grapevine Pizza and (laughs) just started making my own money. Uh, And then it was like, I never really asked my parents And, and also too, I mean, they were paying for travel sports and all the other things that happen when you know kids grow up so but in terms of allowance and money for chores I never had anything like that and same same for you
1: no I got allowance what a blessing
0: how much was it do you remember
1: (laughs) I don't know I think it went up with age like sure I think I was like 10 you got $10 or something like that
2: but it was certain things required or just
1: I mean yeah I mean expectations for sure Mm -hmm. around the house but the the main thing that I remember about getting allowance as a kid was being frustrated with like my dad trying to teach us money skills like by the time from time we were like five years old and i would have to take that money and separate it into different categories every week so like had a a jar for long-term savings a jar for like short-term savings a jar for cash and then one jar for tithing money and like one by the time you if I'm like eight years old, by the time you divide that into four different categories, you're like, oh man, I got like I remember like, oh man, I was nothing in here, <laughs> you know, and then as a kid, like the last thing you want to do as a kid is give a bunch of it to the church, right, but right. like my parents my parents very conservative um and and their um and their upbringing, and so they brought us up the same way and and it's just yeah, it's interesting, but like, we make our kids do that now, um and I know that they have the same thoughts that we had as kids, but the goal eventually is that they'll understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah, I got, I got. I mean, it was just a regular thing every week, and I, I assume there were times where, like, if I was, <laughs> if I was bad or didn't do something, my parents wouldn't give us allowance. Right. I don't know.
2: So, what was your first real job? He talked about grapevine pizza. Um. Uh, um
1: oh, uh, my first real job, I bagged groceries at grocery store. Okay. And I think that was even, I don't even, that was even before I could drive. I think. I think my parents would like drop me off there Hmm. and I would do that for a few hours after school. Hmm. But yeah. And it was like, I think I got paid, I don't know, like basically nothing. But the, but that was when like at grocery stores, you would bag groceries and then, like you would walk the groceries out to their car and hope they would tip you oh right you wow. know that I've, yeah I remember, remember that. those days yeah, uh-huh. yeah. like that was the original tipping culture now it's like <laughs> and now i don't think they even nobody does that no anymore.
2: no well they can do instacart so they yeah. have them brought out to their car but yeah yeah so uh, that's that's what my first was roy rogers you ever heard of that it was a it was like fast food like Hardee's. it was kind of a they had roast beef sandwiches and i hated you fast. cook no, I was front line. I was a cashier. Of course you were.
1: Of course, you I had a pretty face out front.
2: Oh, one time I did the back, and I was like, I, I'm not doing this. Like the making, it was like making fried oh, chicken. Are you too good for that. I was. I was <laughs> like I'm, I'm going. I don't want to do this. It didn't last long. Um, but, so when you got money, like Mitch, you were saying, like, did you feel like you just, were good at, managing it, or do you feel like you just spent it, unwisely as a teenager?
0: Um. The older I got, like really junior and senior year, I got pretty good at setting a good bit of it aside, because um, I worked a lot, and it was like I, I couldn't spend that. Mo- I mean, you could, but like I, I was making a good amount of money in high school that I wasn't just like immediately spending it all. Um, I mean, my both my parents, the the way I was raised, my dad's pretty frugal, and he just that was just kind of the environment that we grew up in was like you spent money when you had to occasionally you would if you wanted to but it was pretty like uh, you know there's going to be dinner at home there's going to be things having at home like you don't need to just go spend money so i kind of just kind of maybe you know the whole saying of like caught not taught i kind of just saw that happening in my parents and in my family, and I just kind of started naturally doing it. Um, and so it wasn't as regimented as that, which I, I, I like that model, and I've heard that system before of the jars and the different things you put stuff in. Great. And when you're little, it's like, I hate this, but it teaches you a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly, you're doing it with your kids, right? I mean, there's a reason for that. Well,
1: we're doing their... I mean, they have to set money aside when at the church not right. n- like yeah i don't know yeah at some it's the same point, principle right? at some point we need to get the, like they have like say like a little uh i think they all have a little savings bank or something in their room like you yeah. know they put money in your dad
2: was preparing you for taxes too like you know, like you don't have very much left so that's the yeah. way it is welcome to life son welcome to <laughs> life yeah do you feel like so your parents were frugal too like his yeah, oh yeah so yeah mine yeah. were too do you feel like that has rubbed off on you a lot or do you feel like you're a lot different mm-hmm. from interesting.
1: I think that's hard to. It's kind of hard to answer, like because, just I don't know. It. Everybody's expenses are so different now too. Like I don't know, you know, what they were bringing in versus what you know they were able to save. Yeah, and and so the perception may have been that they were saving a lot, or they were just they just didn't have much. Like
2: I think like, do you think you buy things more quickly than your parents did when they had you were there the age of you know your mm -hmm. kids.
1: I don't. I, I would say I wouldn't say that. in This case, I would probably say you know. We don't outside of necessities. We're not really frivolous. Like other than, um, we like driving nice cars, nicer cars, right. I should say, a like right. Kia and a Honda. <laughs>
2: but like, yeah, but newer.
1: Yeah, but newer like my parents and... never did that. Like it was always their their mentality was like it's always gonna be a used car and we're gonna keep it for eight years. Right. Like my dad's had the same pickup truck for. Um, I don't know, probably ten years now, and, and it's I, not
2: because he couldn't afford something. N- oh no, it. he no.
1: could he could go get whatever he wants, but like it's just I don't know, it's just not something that he I guess is like I, it's something that interests me. You know, like I like cars, right? So that's just one of my, but my one of my things, but right. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's hard to that's a hard. Do you think you're me. a
0: lot different, Mister, than your parents? in spending? I don't think a lot different, um, but I do think. Uh, my wife Lexi and I both have, especially when we first got married and expenses were very low and we were living in an apartment and making our full-time salaries for the first time, we've had moments of like, oh, growing up, we could never just go do this, so then Mm -hmm. we just go do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so occasionally we'll have that, but but the older we get and now family of three and a house and all those things, we're realizing how similar we are to how we were raised, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but I mean, we still have times where it's like, oh, you know, we don't feel like cooking tonight. And that was like never an option when my family growing right. up. It was just like, no, you get a home cooked meal, which is awesome. That's culturally different now. But too. I, I think. think that has changed. Well, that. there is that too. There's but I do everything think that's come out. Your about parents
2: also had six children. Right. Right. So when you have one, it's one thing you're not, re- and she's not eating a, a kid's meal yet. Right. Right. But then when you get to, you know, it's, it's expensive to go out to eat, but yeah, that's, you're right. Culturally, I think. Yeah, does, we do a
1: lot more just like in general and i don't know i mean if you if you sit down and like do the math on like sometimes it's cheaper to go get something out like you know depending depends, on, depends like, like depending on how yeah, many yep. people there are um in your family and everything because yeah. like for us with the cost kids, of groceries has like, gone
2: up a lot and you look at all the ingredients it takes to put a whole meal together sometimes yes yeah depending on how many people and it,
1: depending on if you're significant other likes to buy all organic and non-gmo and you know yes. like that kind of it makes yes. it even more expensive yeah. but like when i i take our family to chick-fil-a it's like 50 bucks easy mm-hmm. yeah you know and that's if everybody's getting just you like water eaten and, at home
2: for 20
1: yeah sandwiches would be less than that right yeah yeah but I mean, there's
2: always peanut butter and jelly yeah you know, right but
1: it, it, yeah i mean it but, but it, it's it's more culturally acceptable i think now to eat eat and it was a treat more. when i was a
2: kid like to go out yeah. to eat our kids have gotten to where like it's not, yeah, we're at least once a week somewhere. At least, right? Yeah. At least that's a
1: huge part of our, our monthly budget is, Mm -hmm. I mean, eating outside the house, right? Inside the house is still a huge part of our monthly budget, but like, yeah.
2: So one of the things I think that uh, we get trapped in and we talk about a lot in this world today, and it's hard to define, I think is materialism. And when are we being materialistic and when is it okay? And like we all, uh, we know we've talked about this, uh, in conversation many a time about how in America we're all rich compared to the rest of the world for the most part no matter what income level the three of us are at or anybody listening how do we determine if it's okay or not like do you have some type of do you have this inner like guilt if you like I think maybe we were materialistic here maybe we shouldn't spend on this maybe we should have been more generous for this does that is that a struggle or do you feel like it's easy that's like no problem for you you got that figured out
0: I mean that's a bold thing to say you have it figured out yeah. um, I, I I don't know I I always come back to the love of money is the root of all evil right. right and um I I think that's for me when it comes when it becomes materialistic and becomes this thing that maybe you you can feel a level of guilt about is when it becomes like Oh, I just like, I love spending money or or it's, it consumes me. I've got to look like this. I've got to act like this. I've got to drive this car. I've got to do this. And then that becomes the motivation. Then I think that's where for me, it gets like, all right, we should probably evaluate really why we're doing this or if we need to do this right now. Because I can be a person who is relatively impulsive when it comes to some of these kinds of things where it's like oh let's just do it who cares like you know can't take it with you when you die so let's just do it um but there's a piece of that to where if that becomes just like how you operate and it is really like the love of just having stuff for the sake of looking like you have stuff or whatever then I think that's where it becomes maybe more of a sin and a heart issue um but I don't know I don't know what you guys think but
1: I don't know I'm wrestling with that in my heart right now I feel like um, I feel like if it comes down to like having to start taking things away from you, and how like from from me like how married I am to those objects or that material, whatever it may be, if depending on how difficult that is, yeah. outside of the necessities of life, then I feel like that's how you measure your how materialistic yeah, you are. That's a good point. But like as I think, I'm thinking in my life like right now, like I mean, there's nothing material necessarily that we're like chasing after that. We're like, Oh man, we really have to have this or we can't get rid of this. Yeah. You know, we,
2: if you had uh, to have uh, lesser, v- lesser cars, for example, right now, you would do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not it's, like, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. It, and, and we, yeah, we, we make room in our finances for the things that we love and that we enjoy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Like, do you think we, T, do
2: do you, find yourself judging other people like ever like looking like mm, they're spending way too much on that they shouldn't they should probably not 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 go there not do that not spend so much they're so materialistic does that ever mm-hmm. enter your mind no i not for one for, do not uh, do not uh, yeah i don't i don't
1: really either i don't i mean i don't know occasionally well we all have those times where like oh man they could be making better choices right mm-hmm. like, right everybody guess, yeah like right. everybody sees those people but like if you know, you have like a, if there's a somebody in our church that, you know, they're, they're committed believer, they're, you know, they're walking with the Lord, you know, we're pretty sure they're tithing and they're giving like, you know, and then they have something, a side project that they're frivolous with. I mean, it's, you know, I would just assume that's their hobby and that's yeah. what they enjoy doing. I don't really, yeah. I think it's tough for us in our demographic with people that we live around. Like we look around and we're like, hey, everybody looks like they're well off, you know, and it's not like many people are struggling. But I think that I think when people are struggling and you know that they're struggling, that's when you can kind of maybe be like, oh, maybe they shouldn't have done that or they maybe mm-hmm. shouldn't have bought that car.
2: Yeah, I think generationally too it's changed. Um, like a few times around here we've been like doing a project and there's stuff and here's me. Like I, you guys are ready to throw stuff away. We're not using it anymore. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, but somebody could use it somewhere. Somebody could sell it on Store Marketplace. Store until we need it. Store it, it. until yeah. we need it again. And do you find that, do you think that's a generational thing? Or do you think that's just the way I was raised? Because I know, you know, um, I think we've transitioned, you guys too, being younger, to more about it's about having a good life experience than it is about stuff. And I know for Sherry and I, we talk about it more like, there's nothing we need materially what we want to do is have good experiences like in life, yeah. like have memorable vacations. It doesn't have to be expensive to be memorable, but, but things that, you know, like going and doing things together as a family with their just with each other, extended family. And those things are more like the type of gifts we want to buy and get for our family more than material things. Cause like, what do our kids need? They really, there's not that much. And yeah. you know,
1: yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that – I don't know that it's a generational thing, really, but because, like, I even know people now that would be, like, in my generation that would be like, oh, I'm never getting rid of that. We might use it again. You know, like, I even have that mentality with some things. And I know, like, minimalism is kind of, like, a, a trend that comes and goes, right? Like, you go, and a lot of that comes down to just not wanting to feel cluttered, mm-hmm. right? And you want your life to feel a little bit simpler. Right. Um, but – but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of times around the office where you're like, no, don't throw that away. Go stash it somewhere. And I'll be like, okay, but if I stash it somewhere, nobody's going to touch it for the next 10 years until I'm the one that throws it away. <laughs> right. So it's just, and, and sometimes that's a mentality thing that comes with not wanting to be wasteful. Right? right. And I think that's where you come from. That's yeah. like somebody could use that or, you know, somebody might be mad that you threw that away because of, you know, we paid money for it. But like in reality, who? and who's going to take it if not, you know, like think about some, you know, just some old office furniture we've been dealing with the past couple months. Like, (laughs) yeah, I can stick it out in the garage or in a closet, but it's going to stay there. My
2: grandmother, Markle, my dad's mom, she would take the bags that the bread came in and wash them out, put them on a clothesline and use them to put, you know, sandwiches in the next day for the kids to take to school. I mean, and they didn't have what, you know, as much then. And it was, coming out of that period of the depression and everything like that. So people were more conservative in general, but that's the mindset that my dad grew up with. So, you know, some of that gets transferred and, um,
1: is that a lack of not wanting to throw something like that out that could be valuable? Or is that just like a mindset? That's not like, Oh, we don't have money to buy another bag of bread. It's, it's more like this could be useful and it, like in that time it was like, oh, that time wasteful. period
2: like they would have i remember eating at the table with them when i was a kid and they would have a jar of homemade jelly you know when those mason jars and it would it was empty look like it no it wasn't my grandfather would tear up a piece of bread put it in the jar swish it all around in the jar to get every ounce of jelly out of that jar before they you know would wash that jar out to make more jelly and that's not like the way we think you know if we can't squeeze any more out of our squeezed jelly Toss it in the trash can. Get grab on, the new one. Grab the new one. Yeah. So there's a different mindset today. But I say all that to say I think um, one of the issues I think would be good to talk about too is this we have a marriage retreat uh, this weekend. One of the things that Christy said in talking about that was how that – I think she said it in there, but m- that money is still like the number one reason that couples fight. And so you – guys are married just like I am. And we both, uh, Sharon and I brought different concepts of money into marriage and that caused some issues early on. And so we worked through those. We understand that more now, but the mindset definitely different. Um, do you guys have any, um, any insight on that? Like, do you, one of you more in charge of the money or you do it together Is one of you kind of like the, the spreadsheet person or the numbers person? Go ahead, Mitch. <laughs>
0: um, my wife is more of that, just because. The manager? Yeah, she's more analytical thinking and more administrative in that way. So for her, it's like it's more natural for her to look at some of that stuff and manage more of it than it is for me. Um, but in terms of like philosophy of money, like we're pretty similar. Like when we got married, we both had. She had more than me, but we both had a lot of money that we had had in savings in high school. And we kind of just like threw it together and we we're like, oh, wow, well, we're pretty well off and pretty similar on how we handle a lot of this stuff. There's definitely been adjust- adjustments for sure, because it's two different people coming together and managing money. So there's definitely been times of like, you know, I, I would say I'm probably more so a spender than she is. Um, so there's been times of like me being like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I don't need this or I guess we don't need this right now. And just kind of like learning that over the three plus years we've been married. But, um, but it's been, I mean, I I don't think we've ever really fought about money or had big, like uh, disagreements are like, man, this is, we're just couldn't view this more differently. Like that's never really been a struggle for us. That's good. But I know that that's not the case for everybody. I think we're lucky in that way to where it's just, I think you are
2: fortunate and you probably in your premarital counseling with when you did that, was there a whole section on money where you Mm -hmm. guys discussed that? That's helpful. It's so, so critical. Like I always try to make sure that we talk about that with couples that are getting married. What about you and Lisa Kay?
1: Yeah, we're, we're we're very similar in that we both came from kind of like frugal minded um parents and families um but we both operate so differently like the way that we think about money and we're so blessed with you know in our 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 family we there's not like you were saying there's nothing that we need we don't need there's you know we just get what we need it, and it's that's a huge blessing but whenever it comes to like the extra stuff I just get it. Mm-hmm. I'll just buy it and Lisa K will wrestle with it. <laughs> she'll be like and she'll sometimes she'll bring something up and like wait on validity to like she'll be like yeah, this is on Amazon for $8. <laughs> I you know really would be not and I like back in my mind I was like just get it. Yeah. Or like w- are you waiting on me to be like that's okay, you can do it. So like we have different mentalities that's in that. That's how we are. Um but and and that's not I, I feel like that's just who we are Do you have agreed upon like
2: I'm not going to spend more than X amount without talking to you first. It's kind of like understood. i like mean, you're not going to go out and spend a yeah big I mean, amount I don't, of money without telling, don't do that. Without like talking about it,
0: I don't think I really spend anything frivolously without talking. Right, without any this, frivolous some things. kind of conversation of hey, yeah. I want this or hey, can can we do this or whatever. Like I don't think I've ever just been like. Hey, do you see the bank statement? Like, I bought that. Like, I don't think I've ever done that in right. the years that we, at three years we've yeah. been married. But yeah, I
2: think it evolves as you get married. It depends on. Do you, you all know. do that?
1: Do you have a limit that you have to get a no, spouse No, not a, a limit, but
2: with no <laughs> weird, crazy amounts without talking about it first. Yeah. Like, um, and I do most of um, our finances. I, I, li- I enjoy numbers. I was going to go into that if I got in and called me to ministry. My dad was an accountant. So I enjoy keeping track of all that and sherry's happy for me to do that but i send her updates i send her the sheet to look at and she's she could do it all if she if if i didn't she's uh, fully capable of it but we you know um sometimes i'll be like what what was like there'll be some weird charge i like what is that i mean because I, I need to i said i need to categorize it and some of it is like okay that makes sense so if you were to it.
1: like if you were to drop dead right now how screwed would sherry be with like your financial situation like i don't know what to do i don't know how Uh, to pay no
2: she would have all the passwords there's a sheet with everything there'd
1: still be a big learning curve i'm assuming yeah
2: i mean yeah i mean learning how i did it like she like that's the thing like i know i've talked to other widows who their husband did it and then they passed and then the way he did it was complicated compared and it doesn't have to be so everybody has to find their way to manage it but the whole idea i mean of this whole thing is that we're talking about god blesses us with different amounts of money, and the whole idea of materialism, it's about we're not owning anything, we're just managing what God's blessed us with. And if we keep our mindset right, then we are good at managing it, I think, I believe. And that's, in the church world, We, when we talk about it, it's so often like, okay, the reason the church talks about it is because the church wants more people to give more. Sure, but the whole idea is like, if people really understand all the principles that are in the Bible about money, Everything that is in there, they will have money to give and they'll want to and they realize that they're investing in eternity. So giving. What do you guys think? Like what is the biggest hang up for people that you guys think just off the top of your head that the misconceptions or the excuses you hear from people?
1: Yeah, we had this conversation yeah. last two weeks ago, last week. We did. Uh, and yeah, just there's a lot there's a lot of them, I think. I think it's just, I think there's a lot of confusion in society about why the church exists in the first place. Is it just to take people's money? Because that's what it looks like to a lot of people on the outside that see the church building these huge buildings with, you know, multi million dollar AV budgets. And they're like the last thing that I need to be doing with my money in this economy is giving it to the church so they can, you know, buy more camera equipment, you know what I'm saying? So like that, that, is I think a big part of the problem is just misconceptions about what we do with our money as a church. Um, Can and, a church
2: and be materialistic? Hundred percent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. So how do we? Who judges that?
1: <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think that that would be the the big one. Um, just mistrust. I think too. Like you see. Oh, you see some of the well-known TV megachurch pastors that you know have fifteen million dollar mansions and some have private jets, and then people just think that ki- that kind of like trickles down and everybody is like that, you mm, know. Right. So they're, which is not the case at all. Um, but it, th- those kind of people and those kind of pastors and those kind of churches, they cast a, an unfortunate shadow on on the rest of the churches and and the world, really, and mm. it, and. As a result people don't trust the church so
0: yeah I think that's a huge part of it and then I think maybe the other side that you know people are either maybe on one side or the other is just a lack of um, education on biblical principles maybe a lack of discipleship on money and how to steward money I think you know maybe if if there are people maybe in congregations all over the you know the world that trust the church and are like, yeah, I know the church is for good or my church is for good. And they're like, yeah, I'm here every week. I'm faithful, whatever. But then that missing step is, I don't know why I would give, or like we've talked about before, it seems like everything's going well and it seems like they've got everything they need. So why would I play a part in this? Or, you know, why would I give to this? Maybe I'll just show up and maybe I'll just, you know, say everything was good and that's my form of giving, but there's no like, um, you know, step of like teaching people how to sacrifice and how to give and doing that well and teaching that biblically, I think, um, hasn't been done across the board very well because it's either there's churches that just hammer you about money or there's churches that are like, let's attach it to this version of the gospel where if you give, then you get everything you want, right? Right. Um, And that middle ground maybe is a good place to be, but I don't know how often that gets communicated well to the common person who comes to church every week. And I think that's a big issue in life. And that's
2: what we're going to try to do in this series, but it is challenging. I think people have their their ideas when they come in. And and I do I do believe that we're, we're fighting against that. And um, when you work for a church, there's always like that feeling too of like the pastor fishbowl type of thing of like people are going to watch, you know, what you do with your money, right? There, there's that sense of like, I got to be a good example I don't want to look materialistic, but I also want to fit into the – somewhat of the culture that we're living in. Um, But you've mentioned, you know, like there's that extreme of poverty mentality – of theology. Poverty is like being closer to God by having as little as possible or prosperity theology being God's going to bless me because I give and he's going to give me so much more and I'm going to get richer and richer. And that's what God does. And those are just bad ideas. But people people definitely – um, struggle with that. And I, and I, and it's a, it's always this delicate topic when you talk about it, when you get more forceful. So the the question I was thinking is, is it for you guys is generosity, a habit obligation, or do you look at it as, man, this is so cool. I get to invest in the church.
1: Like, I think, I think that there's a little bit about all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think habitually, it's the first thing that we think about when we get our paychecks on Fridays, it's like, well, you know, it's time to, time to, to send our tithe. Um, and then, you know, also there's like the, you said obligation. I feel like, you know, we feel like, you know, it, as you know, members of, of a church, as christians like it is like this it's what god's called us to do like we're obligated to do this like we you know like god has clearly instructed us to be responsible with our money and and give back to him what he's first given to us and so that piece of obligation i feel like is is huge And, and you know i would be lying if i if i didn't say every once in a while we're like oh man like it'd be nice if we didn't give that to the church like we could have bought this mm-hmm. this way or right. we could have made an extra payment on something or you know like there are those times i mean that's that's our human nature you right. know coming to play um and and but yeah i think that i think that all of the above with with that
0: yeah i would definitely agree and i think like i i like the point of obligation i think that that's been um maybe communicated very negatively but i think there actually is some things that, especially in the Christian walk and Christian life, that you are obligated to do, and that's not a bad thing. That's kind of I, I like maybe the word mandate. Like if if you're adopted into the family of God, there's things that are asked of you and mandated of you as to call yourself a a Christ follower, right? And that's that doesn't have to be bad or negative. Um, you, it's more of like you training yourself and to in spiritual development, getting to a point where that's like yeah, it's an obligation, but I'm privileged to be able to do it because of what God has done for me, right? It's kind of working that out. And I think giving and generosity is one of those things where it's like, maybe if you first hear it, you're like, why, like, I'm obligated to give to the church? Like, why would anybody ever do that? But then the more that you are developed into who, you know, Jesus has called you to be and the fullness of, you know, what God wants us to do here on earth, then you're like, yeah, it's an obligation. Like, there's times when I'm like, I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it because look at what God's done for me, I can, I can give, I can be generous too. Right. Well, yeah.
2: And I think that's what our hope is for people is that it becomes a heart thing. I think it is a heart thing. Jesus said, where your treasures are, your heart will be also. So I think the heart is, I don't want people to make the initial, I think like the initial decision to become a, a generous giver. I want that to be a heart thing, but then it becomes a habit thing because I know there are times like you guys just shared, man, I look at Man, look at the giving that we've done. We could have paid this off. We could have done this for the house or we could have whatever. And then it's like, but I'm glad I made it a habit. Because if I made the decision every week or every month, I'm see if I have anything left and then I'll give it. It, it wouldn't be good. It, I mean, cause there's always other things to do with our money. And so I don't think uh, a lot of people that struggle with this cause they don't plan plan to be generous. You just don't. And it's just like, well, everything will get done. Somebody else take care of it. And I think there's all these different things that come into our minds about it and make it hard. But I think the whole idea, it's easy. We, we are guys of habit here. We've made it a habit in our lives to give, and we believe what the Bible teaches about it. But I don't know. Do you guys think about it as the investment part very often, or you just think about this as something I need to do?
1: I think about it all the time. Yeah. It's like... And we're we're in a unique situation because we work here mm-hmm. at at the church, and we're we manage budgets, uh, the overall budget, and we are responsible for spending and allocating the money that people give. So, like whenever we have to buy something, a lo- like a lot of times we're like, "Is that the cheapest website we could have got that from?" Or like you know, w- is there a better price that we can negotiate? Or you know, like it makes us more you know, in tune to like where that, where every dollar is actually going. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that we know the sacrifice that we make, Mm -hmm. um, in order to give to the church. And we want, we want everybody's contributions to, you know, to, to be, you know, go to the right place. And so I think it, it, yeah, I feel like, I feel like there's a definitely extra buy-in because we know that, it is an investment and, yep. and not only that, but I think too, like I said, we're in a unique situation and you're the church. So we see all the extra struggles that our budget sees, you know, with inflation and with rising costs here and there and all the extra emergency things that we have to spend money on, like, you know, roofs and air condition units well, and those kind of things yeah. that like, yeah, those that come in and aren't, you know, habitually, um, tithing that might just give you know a dollar here a dollar there they don't realize i feel like a lot of times that you know there are hundred thousand dollar roof yeah. repairs, repairs that we need that do. we need mm-hmm. to do and mm-hmm. so we see those things and that causes i think that causes us to just have a little bit more buy-in and not and, and i think the more you're the more you're involved in the church the more you see the inner workings of the church the more you volunteer um, the more that you see those things as mm-hmm. well
2: yep It was kind of uh, prior to Mitch being on staff, but the greater campaign was the first time I was confronted with that, like, I'm leading a church through a building campaign, and we're trying to raise a million dollars up front to be able to do the renovation and the add-on. And I remember talking to my wife, like, okay, you know, we give, we tithe, but we got to give above that for this. We got to set the example. I can't get up there and say something I'm not doing. And we came up with the numbers. She was like, whew. I was like, I know. But you know what? We got to do it.
1: are asking other people we're to do it. We're asking other
2: people to do it, to sacrifice. But I'm talking about investment. Every time – I mean, sometimes I just walk through our building, and you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm walking to the restroom in the front just to take a walk. But every time – not every time. But a lot of times I walk through and I'm like, wow. I'm looking at these windows. I'm looking at the add-on to the building. I'm like, thank you, God. And we still have a mortgage, and it's a lot. But thank you, God, we were able to do this and that we were able to be a part of it. And early on – I mean, I remember when I planted a church – and. Just the whole thing about preaching and talking about this. I know God worked on my heart. Like, look, Steve, if you're going to get up there and talk about it, you better be doing it. And I and conviction, like, okay, we need to up the amount. We need to do more. We need to make sure that we're living out what we're saying. So there's always that fine line, but there's always that challenge. And, um, you know, I I know, like, even now, when you now have a daughter, it's just kind of like, okay, giving isn't, like, easy all the time because there's a lot of bills and everything you come up, but there's also you're investing in her future. Right. I mean, like, you know, like what I give helps to turn the lights on in that next gen mm-hmm. hallway and helps to provide for the nursery program and all that. And, uh,
1: and you're also teaching money management to them too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, indirectly, because mm-hmm. when we tell our kids to, to give their, you know, 10 cents out of their dollar, you know, that they earn for, you know, taking the trash out or whatever it is. And they, you know have a hard attitude about that you know we you know it's easy for us then to stand up and be like hey well, listen well you know every every dollar that we get we give 10 cents as well mm-hmm. and just leading by example to them is is big but yeah but you're right i mean being able to look and see all that they're doing in the kids ministry and and know that they're you know being take well taken care of because mm-hmm. of what everybody gives is yeah is huge
0: yeah
2: yeah any other thoughts
1: no i'm excited because um usually these kind of series give fresh perspective to a lot of people and they challenge people in ways that they don't expect to be challenged. But also too, like this series isn't really about giving money to the church like or about tithing. It's about, um, the investment that you're making, right? That's the whole title, but also just j- overall, um, you know, advice and, and guidelines and yeah, uh, instruction. So
2: right. It's like Mitch was talking about earlier, like the basic, Instruction from the Bible about finances. There's so much, and people don't know it, and that's why a lot yeah. of people they don't they're not generous, not out of greed, but out of ignorance, right? And so we want to help people that are struggling with don't not knowing, and they'll be like, "Oh, I didn't even know I was supposed to do that, or I should do that." I, everything, yeah, okay, I can, I can do that. It's a little bit challenging, but I can do that. Um, so I think it's making people aware. It's education. I mean, I felt like as I went over this week's sermon, it, already it's like, okay, this is not as preachy as it is teaching, yeah. you know, it's teaching them instructions and being very practical. I mean, this is so practical. So nobody can say, oh, I don't relate to money because I think we think about money every day. I think it's something that affects every us. Every hour. Of every day. <laughs> <laughs> I need more money, Lord. Um, but, I mean, it, you know, it, it goes into all the way that we, the way that we live and how we, you know, um, decide whether we're going to lunch or not and where we're going to eat. It's uh, all of, choices constantly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, And then we're doing um, announcing it Sunday or yeah. for, I guess, when you're listening to this, you probably have already heard it announced, but Dave Ramsey's financial peace thing. We're University. offering the class. Yeah, right? we're offering it here. In
2: March, starting sometime in March.
1: So if, like, you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, man, like, these guys are nuts and I don't believe in anything they're saying, <laughs> then maybe you should take this class and sign up for it and get some extra perspective. And it will, it'll help give you practical ways, not just biblical ways, but practical, easy, tangible ways to help you manage your money. Yeah. I took
2: that course, Sherry and I did probably 15 years ago and we didn't apply every single thing. Um, yeah. cause Dave is, I mean, if anybody knows Dave Ramsey, he's maybe extreme on some things, but he, uh, he's very wise and knows what he's talking about. It's all biblically based. So, Um, but it definitely helped us in our relationship. So
1: yeah, we, yeah, he, he, he can be a little over the top Uh, at times, Yes, but I feel like the whole point of his, the extreme, um, nature that he takes and he wants people to take is, is, is because he needs a hundred percent buy-in and for, in order for it to work. And he caters to a lot of people that are like really struggling in their finances. You know, if you've got you know, if you're, if you're doing well and you're saving money and your investment accounts are doing well, you don't have any debt, he's not really the kind of person that, you know, is going to help you much. It's, you know, if you feel underwater all the time and you're really struggling, that's the kind of p- people that he caters to. Which mm-hmm. and, and, But, yeah, I mean, it, the principles are, are awesome. Yeah. Like, don't have debt. Don't spend more money than <laughs> Act you Act your get, wage. Yeah, like yeah, Don't exactly. spend more than you make. Yeah. Exactly. So hopefully, yeah. like, hopefully that, I mean, we're, the church is, a whole is investing a little bit in that so hopefully people can get some good um good some good advice and in in that class and hopefully we get some good turnout yeah right maybe 10 plus couples is what we're aiming for right in that yeah so if you're listening to this yeah go sign up it's not too late Mm -hmm. when does it start march march 11th march 11th monday night we're gonna offer
2: child care to go with it so
1: and you can sign up anytime until
2: then it's already live it's on our yeah you can sign up anytime now so yep very good
1: So speaking of money W- w- was for lunch today <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: it's almost that time it is yeah that's uh, yeah it will be a bit. <laughs> right. it will be soon all right Take well us out. um that's all we have for today this is kind of a um, precursor conversation just some of our own personal thoughts on this but if you're watching this as it comes out then we'd love for you to be here over the next couple of weeks as we continue in our series called return on investment and if you're watching this sometime in the future then you can always go back and watch those messages and just kind of get into the world of generosity and how to better manage your money because god has a lot to say about stewardship not just money but just in general a lot of what we're called to do post accepting jesus and, and then living a life for him it it is a the word stewardship it's how you right. manage what god has given you so um these principles are important so i think that's it for today um, uh, let us know, as always, what you thought and what you would like to hear us talk about, because uh, we'll talk about pretty much anything, but we want to talk about things that matter. So let us know what that should be. You can email podcast at org. You can uh, just leave it in the comments. You can message any one of us. You can message Sycamore Creek uh, social media. However you get in contact with us, let us know what you want the rest of season six to be. And we will see you next week on the In All Things podcast. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the In All Things podcast. Our challenge for you today is to send this episode to one person. Seriously, think of somebody right now that could use this conversation and send it to them. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic ideas, please send them to podcast at sycamorecreek.org. And make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sycamore Creek Church so that you can always see what's going on in our world. If this conversation helped you at all, make sure you share it, leave a review, and subscribe so that you don't miss out on a single episode. We love you, God loves you, and we'll see you next week on the In All Things podcast.